hello and welcome to the Grace Point Community Church Podcast Network. My name is Joey Butch. I'm the youth pastor at Grace Point Community Church. And I would like to welcome you to our weekly sermon series. There's been a lot going on here. It's been crazy around here. Um, so we've been a little spotty on getting our episodes out. But uh, this is our sermon from Sunday, this last Sunday. Uh, Pastor Scott spoke. He spoke about Pontius Pilate and what we are going to do with Jesus because he's offering himself to us to be a changing force in our life. And uh, it's up to us on what we decide what to do with that or not. And so without any further ado, here is Pastor Scott's message this week. We are coming up to the most exciting time in all of Christendom. And uh, I pray that you are in prayer in regards to it, because it's going to be exciting and it's going to be well worth it as we reflect upon the, uh, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What a time to be a believer. I was in Costco um, and I told the praise team this, and I might as well tell you guys this, a few I don't know when it was. Was it last week? I preached on the second coming. One of the weeks I preached on the second coming. Two weeks ago. And uh, that excited me. And um, it always gets me a little bit nervous because you always have uh, individuals that want to take a shot at you and say, well, is it going to be here? Or is it going to be this? And is this going to happen? Really doesn't matter to me. What matters is that I'm ready. So I'm in Costco, I'm pushing the cart, and all of a sudden I get a text from Ralph Murphy. It's to myself and Joey. I don't know how Joey reacted to it, but I know how I reacted to it. They were talking about how um, Ralph was talking about how he gets these things almost every day in regards to the second coming or signs of the times. Um, is Ralph, Ralph, you here? Yeah, you're here. Okay, good. So, can I tell this story? Yeah. <laughs> Glad I can. Anyway, tells uh, how at uh, one large retail place, largest in the world, you don't know what that is, so I won't mention it. But anyway, they wave their palms, and that's a sense uh, somehow they read those palms and they can currency comes out of their hand. Now, I wish I wish I could do that, but it doesn't happen. But anyway, I wrote back and I said something like, it won't be long now. And I want to tell you that I never get super, super jacked up or excited about the second coming. Never do, because I was always afraid of it. But I got so excited about the second coming, probably, the, uh, no, no doubt about it. It was the most excited I had ever gotten about the second coming of Jesus Christ, you know, that I could have ran around that, that Costco a million times. And I'm not even that good of a runner. 
but I could have. I was so excited about the return of Jesus. Because the Bible says that we're to comfort each other with these words. Later on, I saw a guy on Turfway, and he was uh, prophesying out there with his, with, his, uh, with his sign saying about Jesus Christ is coming soon. I, I didn't know if he was doing that because he wanted people to go or just what he was wanting to happen with that. But I sensed from him it was a little bit of like, like guilt, you know, guilting him into it. You know, I'm going to, I'll guilt him into it. You better be ready type thing. So anyway, um, I said something to my wife. Of course, she's always congenial and nice and kind to the people. And she says, well, you don't know the motives of that guy. And so I said, yeah, you're right. And anyway, I, we pulled up next to him. It just so happened we pulled up next to him. just so happened my window was down. <laughs> so I said to the man, I said, uh, or he said, I said, uh, second coming, it's going to come soon. And he said, yeah, I'd hate to be one of those that's not ready. I immediately turned to him and I said, yeah, but what a day that's going to be for those that are. And that's what I plan to be, is one of those that are ready and are found ready. I am so excited about that, you guys. And just as he came one time, he's going to come again. And that is the message that we preach, right? And we don't, we don't discourage each other with those words. We encourage each other. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, people say, um, well, I, I'd get excited about that, but I've got so many lost loved ones. Well, get to work then. Do something about it for crying out loud. I do too. I've got lost loved ones. I love them to death. I want them to make it to heaven. But I'm going to work until Jesus comes. Then after that, case sarah, sarah, man, I'm gone. Yeah, I'm gone. Uh... I want to tell you the way the Lord has been working in my life. It's so cool. It's so awesome. I was praying the other day, and uh, I was jabbering away, <laughs> like Forrest Gump used to say. I was jabbering away like two monkeys in a tree when he was talking about him and Jenna. But anyway, I was jabbering away, and the Lord seemed to be speaking or impressing upon me. Why don't you just shut up? So I said, man, that's not very nice. He said, I want you to be quiet for a minute. I can't say that there was any big revelation. I can't say that it was like Moses at the, when he got the Ten Commandments and, and, and he received those and Something came out of heaven and all of that happened, but boy, that was a word from God. And driving around all yesterday with my wife and she's talking and I took the Lord at his word. While she was talking, I was quiet. 
It's a good thing to do. And so um, I always, on Saturday night, I always, I'm, I, I believe that my worship days, honestly, you guys, don't call me on Saturday night and give me some kind of, you know, your big toes got an infection in it or something like that. I, really, I, I'll pray for your big toe, but Lord help us, please. But anyway, I start praying on Saturday that I'll feed our people on Sunday. I say, Lord, let me help me to feed them. Just and so my my day starts Saturday, not Sunday. My Sabbath does, and I still believe that there's a Sabbath rest. I believe that, and that's not necessarily on Sunday either, you guys, because. Um, well, anyway, I'm not going to get into that whole theology. Anyway, um, so I was, I was, um, I was praying, and and then all of a sudden I heard my phone ding. It's easy for me to get off track. Is it easy for you guys to get off track while you're? I mean, your mind wanders and stuff. Well, mine does. What do they call that? O OCD or DDA or? PDA or, I don't, ADD, okay, well, I've got that, I've got it all, and so uh, it was a devotional that I hadn't gotten in a while, and it was by C.S. Lewis, and for those of you that don't know who C.S. Lewis was, he was a man of God. And man, oh man, if you want to read some stuff that is awesome. He was a man that was probably 70 or 80 years ahead of his time. One of the contemporaries of our day and his day. Anyway, he's been talking in his devotional about the secret place. And the secret place is a place where we go and just... God and I get alone, we talk to each other, he talks to me and I talk to him and he impresses upon me things and I talk to him. It's just been awesome the way he's been talking to me, not talking to me, but talking to me, if you know what I mean. So... If you know me, I try to, um, on those Saturdays, not only do spiritual things, I also try to um, kind of cleanse my soul of all the stuff that uh, I deal with on a daily basis. So I watch Dateline or something like that to kind of divert my attention, really. And last night, I watched a, a vigilante, uh, my, my favorite, my favorite movies are vigilante justice movies. Love those movies. Where the guy that is the underdog, the cops won't do anything, and so he goes out and he does something about, about it. It's not real spiritual. The the path he takes, or the path they take. 
But it is, uh, it's just awesome because the underdog wins. And I love it when the underdog wins. That's why I love the NCAA tournament. Your bracket's probably shot, as mine is. And anyway, so I, I, this vigilante justice, and this guy, this guy. Now, the Lord's been speaking to me about being quiet before him and getting quiet before him and all that kind of stuff. And This guy has a whole movie where he hardly says a word. In fact, they call him a stoic which is uh, a good word for a Mainer, a person from Maine, because they were Stoics. I looked it up in the dictionary and said it's not the person that's not moved by emotion. I said, that's right. <laughs> you, you can't get them. But anyway, this guy was a Stoic, and one of the, one of the things he said was, Sometimes when I'm quiet and I just shut up, I can hear things that I normally wouldn't hear. Oh, thanks, Lord. Thank you. But that was so good. So I went to bed last night. And I said to the Lord as I was sleeping, falling asleep, I said, Lord, speak to me throughout the evening. And I said, I will promise you this. I'm so tired, I'll be quiet. But you need to talk to me. And so this, um, this message has really spoken to my heart, you guys, really. I mean, this, this one I've got here that I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, I promise you. And if you, can't, if you don't have your Bible or if you'd like to follow along, it's found in John chapter 18. And, of course, this is um, the guy that loved Jesus so much. John chapter 18. And... Uh, Verses, we're going to start out verses 28, and you know we're going through the, oh, the week in the life of Jesus. And I always like Jesus, especially when I preach on him, because as I preach on him, I see that he is so different than what most people are. He's so different than like a Peter that's going to cut off somebody's ear. He's so different than a Paul that, you know, is just... He's out to get them. Correct some false doctrine. Jesus is so chill, man. He just kind of chills out. He just, don't worry about it. It's going to happen. Don't worry if the phone's ringing or any of that. It'll happen. And here's what, here's what the Bible says. They led Jesus then from Caiaphas to the Roman governor's palace. It was early morning. They themselves didn't enter the palace because they didn't want to be disqualified from eating the Passover. <laughs> that is so funny. They, oh man, yeah. They didn't go into the palace because they didn't, and they were they were worried that they were going to get gypped out of their Big Mac. 
That is hilarious. So Pilate came out to them and spoke. What charge do you bring against this man? They said, if he hadn't been doing something evil, do you think we'd be here bothering you? Pilate said, you take him, judge him by your own law. The Jews said, we're not allowed to kill anyone. Um, this would uh, confirm Jesus' word, indicating the way he would die. Pilate went back into the palace and called for Jesus, and he said, are you the king of the Jews? Now, look at Jesus' response here throughout all of this. He says, Jesus answered, are you saying this on your own, or did some others tell you that the, uh, this about me? Pilate said, do I look like a Jew? Your people and your high priests turn you over to me. What did you do? My kingdom, said Jesus, doesn't consist of what you see around you. If it did, my followers would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the, the Jews. But I'm not that kind of a king. Not, that, not the world kind of a king. Then Pilate said, So are you a king or not? Jesus answered, You tell me. Because I am a king. I was born and um, entered the world so that I could witness to the truth. Everyone who cares for the truth, who has any feelings for the truth, recognizes my voice. Pilate said, what is truth? Then he went back out to the Jews and he told them, I find nothing wrong with this man. It is your custom that I pardon one prisoner at Passover. Do you want me to pardon the king of the Jews? They shouted back, Not this one, but Barabbas. Barabbas was a Jewish freedom fighter. He was more than that. He was a murderer. He was a, he was a thief. He was a bad man. A really bad man. I want to talk to you, though, in regards to this portion of Scripture and how it speaks to me. Because um, have you ever um, had a battle? The battle's about to go down in this portion of Scripture right here. It's a battle not just between Jesus and Pilate, but it's a battle between the kingdoms of this world and the kingdoms of darkness and the kingdoms of light. Have you ever um, seen the, the kingdoms of darkness go against the kingdom of light? I watched a, uh, an interesting um, uh, video. I, I watched it, and it's uh, two cats fighting. You ever seen two cats fight? You'd, be, you'd know why I'm afraid of cats. Those things fight like you can't believe. Well, I want to tell you, that is nothing compared. That is nothing compared. 
to what is going on in the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Nothing. Because there is a spiritual battle going on for your soul and mine that you cannot see. And it is a war, you guys. It is a fight that you can't believe. This one cat gets up on his haunches and he's ready to kill the other cat. And the other cat, he's not afraid at all. And he's going after him. And man, oh man. Then the one cat runs and he runs so fast, he runs almost into the water. And you know how cats are. They're sissies when it comes to water. And so he doesn't go into the water. But man, what a fight. I thought to myself, that is how the devil fights for my soul. Right in front of me, and I can't even see it. He fights for my soul, and there's an angelic war that goes on for your soul and my soul that we cannot see, but yet it goes on. A few years ago, there was a... Uh, a, an article that came out in Time Magazine, I guess it was about eight years ago, and they listed the ten most uh, popular people. And here they are. Number one is Jesus, of course. It's intriguing to me that Time Magazine named Jesus the most intriguing person. Uh, second is Napoleon. Third is Muhammad. Next is Shakespeare. Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Adolf Hitler. Now, this isn't just good people, okay? This is good people and bad. Aristotle, Alexander the Great, and Thomas Jefferson. The, the authors of that study uh, examined over 9,000 names. There's many people that are left off that list. I'm certain that there are many that uh, we can think of that are left off this list. Michael Jordan wasn't on this list. It's about the only list that he's left off of. He's not on that list. LeBron James isn't on that list. That's amazing to me. He's about the only one that's left off a list. But there's, um, there's one significant person that is left off, left off this list that not even Christians think about, and that is Pontius Pilate. You see, Pontius Pilate, whether we want to recognize him as a good person or a bad person, he was a significant person in the history of our world. As a matter of fact, he, I wonder what it was like when they decided to create Pontius Pilate. Because God was there, Jesus was there. wonder what that was like. When they knew that they were creating the very person that would send Jesus to his death. But, like Jesus said, he had no authority. He had no authority whatsoever because Jesus was the one who picked his life up and laid it down. He had no authority whatsoever. You would never think of uh, as being significant, and yet he was. This one individual was more vital to world history than Shakespeare, Lincoln, or Washington, all of them put together. He was more vital than any of those. Pontius Pilate. Um, a bit of history. Now, you guys might be history, might not be history buffs, but I want you to listen to this because it really, really kind of turned my crank. Let me tell you a little bit about Pilate. According to one uh, source, Pilate was cold, he was cruel, he was calculating. He was a politician. 
Of course he was. Who played all of the angles. Jesus came, uh, was crucified about 33 AD, and Pilate was the governor of Judea from 26 to 36. He reigned for about 11 years in his reign. He reigned for 11 years, and while he was reigning there, he... Um, he was, a, he was not known as a really popular guy. As a matter of fact, he was known as a guy that was trying to appease everybody and appease everybody he could not do. Always remember that when you try to appease everybody, you'll appease nobody, no one. I found that out as being a pastor. When you try to appease everybody and you try to make all sides good, you, you end up appeasing nobody. And so you might as well pick a lane and run in it. The Jews hated the Romans. They would riot and revolt at the drop of a hat. That's why Pilate made sure whenever there was a feast day in Jerusalem where hundreds of Jews were gathered in that one city, he always made sure that he had at least 100 soldiers so that they could ward off those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Jews. Um, but when, it, when they weren't in Jerusalem, Pilate's home was in Caesarea. Now, Caesarea had been built by Herod the Great as a seaport in the Mediterranean. In other words, it was their summer home. You hear about the rich, really rich people that have summer homes and winter homes. Of course, um, I, especially down there in Florida, I knew a lot of people that had summer homes and winter homes. And then the ultra-rich people had summer homes and winter homes, and their winter homes were right on the beach. I'd get close to those people. I like those people because I'd like to go to the beach myself once in a while. But anyway, when he died, that palace became the living quarters for the governors of the region. Now, I was in Michigan and on Mackinac Island. I don't know how many of you have ever been to Mackinac Island, but on Mackinac Island, there is a governor's, what they call the governor's palace there. And a palace it is. It's a beautiful home that overlooks Lake Michigan. It's a gorgeous place. In fact, if you have not been to uh, Mackinac Island um, for a day, how many of you have been there? Have you been there? Mackinac Island. If you are married and have not been to Mackinac Island, you are making the biggest mistake of your life. Because I want to tell you, there is nothing like it, man. It is. Whoa. It'll get her in the mood quicker than anything I ever knew. Anyway, before Pilate with Jesus, he was already having political problems during his governorship. That got me in trouble. There had been two revolts in Judea. On one occasion, they took money. Now listen to this. They took money from the treasury of the temple. In other words, they robbed it from the church. They robbed it from the church. They took money from the treasury temple to build a water system in Jerusalem. That really doesn't go over well with people. As a matter of fact, I've talked to people all the time who have said, you know what they did? They broke into a church one time. Now, I've done some pretty rough things in my lifetime, but I never broke into a church. 
As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even want to stand by somebody that has during a rainstorm. I just wouldn't want to do that. But that's what happened here. They robbed the church blind so that they could put in a water system. Sounds like a... Um, and then the Jews rioted and Pilate subdued them by having many of them clubbed and stabbed because they were so upset at what the, people, what, what the uh, politicians did. <laughs> you guys don't see the humor in that, but I do. <laughs> As a matter of fact, one of the things in Luke chapter 13, verse 1, it says that the blood of the people was mingled with the sacrifices of the temple. These riots put Pilate in jeopardy with Caesar. Caesar was not happy with him, and so in 36 AD, Pilate was ordered back to Rome to stand trial for cruelty and depression and oppression, particularly on the charge that he had men executed without a proper trial. Now, that's where we find Pilate in this story. You see, people had accused him over and over again that he was the one that was guilty of, of being mean to people and, and, and actually having them executed without a proper trial. He had no reason to, and yet he killed people. So in walks Jesus. Now, then what happened was the emperor Caligula, I think that's right, Caligula, he ordered that Pilate would be assassinated and killed. In fact, he told him, he said, you've got your choice. You've got your choice. Either you can kill yourself or you can be killed. Not a very good choice. So Pilate decided to kill himself. And so he killed himself. But it is rumored that Pilate, in those days, accepted Christ in his final days. Whether that's true or not, the rumor mill runs quick. You see, the rumor mill is, especially within the Nazarene church, it is really fast. It's not always reliable, but it's really fast. Really fast. And so people oftentimes will give out information that is false information, but it sounds good and it gets a lot of attention. So it's really fast. It's really fast and they found out that, um, or they say that Pilate may have accepted Jesus Christ in his last days. I kind of like a good story. I kind of like to think he might have. I kind of like that. Here was the man that was responsible for sending Christ to his death, and yet he would accept him in his last days. You say, well, that can't happen. Well, it might have. Now, these riots put Pilate in jeopardy with Caesar. 36 AD, he was ordered to death, and that's the short and ugly story of a man who had Jesus crucified. Now, by the time Jesus stood before Pilate, Pilate could ill afford, ill afford another revolt. 
And so the, Jesus, the Jewish leaders demanded that he put Jesus to death. And you can almost sense the struggle Pilate goes through trying to make a decision. Here's a man that he believes has done nothing wrong. And yet the Jewish leaders are just want his neck. And they say, if you don't do something about it, we'll do something about you. And so they, uh, they, they crucify him. Tells the Jews, you take him. You judge him by your own law. And after interviews, he, uh, they, he tells the Jews, I find no fault with him whatsoever. That would probably be our response, wouldn't it? You've never found fault with him. You never have. So then in John chapter 19, we're told, from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. In other words, what he's saying is, if you make that move, we're telling the DS on you. But before Pilate made that decision, he had an interesting conversation with Jesus. It's an interesting conversation. In fact, I get a charge out of it every time I read it. All Pilate wants to know is, Jesus a threat to Rome? So he, so he asks, are you the king of the Jews? The battle heats up. That's because uh, if Jesus intended to stage an armed revolt, then Pilate could crucify him. Jesus answered, my kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. There's a big difference between earthly and heavenly, Jesus is saying. There is a big difference between my kingdom that I have set up and the kingdom of this world. You see, my kingdom is, has nothing to do with this world. I looked out today, as I was thinking about this message, I looked out today, and I started thinking about uh, certain things, and one of the things I thought was, all of these houses and all of this land and everything within my uh, subdivision and all of these cars that are buzzing around here this morning, all of this, you see, that's not of this, that's of this world. That's not a heavenly kingdom. And we store those things up, don't we? We store them up, store them up, store them up, store them up. So we can tell other individuals with inside of this kingdom, this worldly kingdom, look what I have. Look what I've got. Jesus says, so what? My kingdom's not of this world at all. I don't even care about this world. It holds no attention and it holds nothing on me whatsoever. Now, does that mean that we walk around in sackcloth and ashes? No. But I do want to say that, that Chuck told me today that I look like Don Johnson because of the shirt I'm wearing this morning. Which was a nice thing for Chuck to say, I think. <laughs> Looking good. 
How do you like that? It looks like it's got lights in it or something. But you see, there's, there's a big difference, you guys, between an earthly kingdom and a heavenly kingdom. And you see, we, the church of Jesus Christ, we, the church at Grace Point, have no reason to talk about earthly stuff. It's just stuff. It's just stuff, you guys. It's stuff. It's stuff. I told you before, I bears, bears me telling you again because it was so funny. I was in my first pastorate, and um, God was doing great things. God was blessing. God was using us in so many ways. It was just so awesome to come to church. It was so powerful. And, and oh, I would get excited about going to church, and we'd get in the church, and we just had kids, and while we were beating the kids in the back, we were going to church, and it was so much fun to go, and it was just a, it was a riot, and, uh, and, and so we were going to church, and one day we saw a, uh, an eagle, and we stopped, and, and uh, I think it was Kathy said, we're going to be late to church, and I said, I don't care, there's an eagle right here, a bald eagle, the kids will never see this again, I never would see it again, kids probably would see it many more times, but anyway, that's beside the point, so we were going to church one day, and and um, and we uh, we decided that we were going to put down gravel in the church parking lot because as you would come into the church parking lot, there'd be dust that flew up everywhere. Whoosh! I mean, it flew up everywhere. And of course, uh, during the uh, winter time, it was dry around there, really, really dry. And uh, so we said, "Hey, I've got a great idea." I said this. I've got a great idea. Let's put some dust or some some gravel out in the parking lot so we don't have all of this dirt flying all over. Great idea. Man, that was a winner. It was a winner. And so uh, one day I came out after God had been moving in a service and God had been blessing. God was saving souls and God was moving. And it was so exciting. I came out to women out in our parking lot saying, who in the world put this gravel in the church? It's wrecking my shoes. I said, I don't know. He must be dumb. He must be new. He couldn't. He, he must be new. So we got the great idea, right? The great idea was that we would build a parking lot, or not a parking lot, but we would build a, a sidewalk that went straight across. We didn't have the money. We didn't have two nickels to rub together. But, but we decided to build this uh, sidewalk that went across so the women wouldn't wreck their shoes for crying out loud. And so we, we built this thing, and God, oh, God used that in mighty ways. And um, and everybody was happy until the first rain. Guess what happened on the first rain? It acted like a dam. That's what happened. 
and it was all flooding right there, right on the park, right on the sidewalk. And, and the women had to go back into the gravel. And my name was Mud again. So we finally fixed it, and we decided we'd bite the bullet and probably financed it up to our eyeballs and put it in debt and did what we had to do, but it got the women off my back, I'll tell you that right now. And so we put a parking lot in. And I say all that, and that's funny stuff. It really is funny. But it, I've looked back at that. And I've looked in the eyes of a Carlos Serrano that had nothing, and yet God had brought him from darkness to light. I looked at an Iwa Iladel that God had brought her from darkness to light. I looked at different things and different people where God had transformed lives in that, in that little congregation and where we had nothing, we had absolutely nothing, but God was working and God was moving, God was on the scene, and, and, and God was blessing, God was anointing. And Well, it must have been the strong preaching. you got to be kidding me. I was fresh out of Bible college, you guys. I didn't know what to do. I was scared to death. I'd put hours upon hours upon hours. I'd be so grouchy during the week because I didn't have my message ready and, oh, it was horrible. <laughs> and we're worried about parking lot gravel? And we're worried about women's shoes? So you better be pastor. I only make that, and I only talk about that because I'm trying to create a contrast between the kingdoms of God, the spiritual kingdoms of God, and the kingdoms of this world. We talk about we talk about such things as making people comfortable, and you got to make it look nice. And, you, and I believe in all of that. Really, I do. This building has just been an absolute blessing to us, you guys. It has. It looks nice. I went through it the other day. I saw all the pictures up for the kids, and you ought to go back there when it's not when it's legal to go back there. And, you ought to go back there and take a look at it. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And this place is just absolutely beautiful. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. The truth is, what's it going to look like in 100 years? Really? What's it going to look like in 100 years? And so Jesus looked at Pilate and he said, Listen, I want to tell you something. You've got to get this straight. You've got to get this through your head. You've got to know what's happening. My kingdom's not of this world. I have nothing to do with this world. My kingdom, my kingdom. 
You can't get in your car tomorrow and say, where are you going to church? Oh, I'm going to God's church. That's where I'm going. Well, we're God's church. Yeah. But you can't say what, there's one church that you're going to that has been specified. This is God's church right here. Now listen to this. This is an amazing verse. This blew my wife's mind. Colossians 1.13 tells us, God has delivered us, delivered us from the domain of darkness. The domain of darkness. That which we have been dominated by, day in and day out dominated. We felt a pull to sin. We just couldn't resist it. We had to have it. We had to have sin. We were like a drug addict on the thing, man. We, we had to have sin. It was the domain of darkness. That's what it was. And he had, us in, he had us entrapped in that. And we were all, we were just all entrapped. We didn't think we were. We thought we were really living it up, boy. I mean, really, really, really living it up. Why? It can't get any better than this. He delivered us from the domain of darkness. Now, you've got to understand, this is dark, man. This is like, this is really dark. This is, uh, this is like King's Island, uh, scary dark. This is, uh, this is house of horrors dark. This is, but, but it's real. Now, we don't recognize it as darkness. We don't see it as darkness. It's not, it's not like King's Island where there's a pitchfork and, a, and, and horns on that devil, but it's, it's dark, man. It's, it's really dark, and it's got us in, captured, and, and we're just we're motivated by it. He has moved us from the domain of darkness. Now listen to this. And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Hallelujah to God. Glory to God, you guys. No, C.S. Lewis can say what he wants, but you need to get excited about that. You don't need to be quiet about that one because you have went from this place to this place. And he has done it. He has won that war. Well... Pilate asked Jesus, he's king of the Jews. Then Jesus responds, are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you concerning me? In other words, it was like Jesus was saying, even now, Pilate, you can't make a choice. You can decide to choose me, but you have got to make a choice. You've got to choose. To which Pilate responds, well, there, back the train up. I'm not a Jew, and that's when Jesus tells Pilate, his kingdom is not of this world, and Pilate repeats his question, so are you king of them? Then Jesus says the most unusual thing, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate responds, what is truth? And that ends the conversation that's done. It's over. 
Jesus says, what is truth? And it's all over. Why is that? Well, right in front of him stands the embodiment of truth. He was the truth. It's not that he said a bunch of truthful things. Like, you know, the, the grass is green. Or two plus two equals four. Or, you know, some algorithm theory. Or, or you want to go deeper than that. It wasn't that he said some truthful things. Here was all the embodiment of the truth. He was the truth. He was the truth. And the truth, my friend, will set you free. The truth will set you free. Now the question that came to my mind was, why did Jesus bring up the issue of truth to Pilate? It's not been discussed before, and Pilate seems to almost react violently when it's mentioned. Jesus is the truth. He embodies it. Not that he said a bunch of truthful things. He is the truth, friends. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, nobody, nada, zero, zip, nobody comes to the Father except through the truth. And he is the truth. Come on, you guys. That's so cool. That's so exciting. Now, I've got an illustration. Here's the deal. We live in a world that bends a lot of rules. A lot of folks believe that if you want to get ahead in politics or business or even in relationships, you have to sacrifice truth. The rules hem us in. The rules make it so much that we're not as free to do what we want to do, and that's pretty much how Pilate has lived his entire life. And that's how he's gotten to his position of power. He bends the rules. He hurts who he has to hurt. He cheats who he has to cheat. Because the name of the game is to win. There's an old book whose title was Winning by Intimidation. you got to read it. It's the bestseller. Winning by Intimidation. And the major theme of the book was you do what you've got to do to win. You cheat, you hurt, you intimidate. And if you need be, you destroy people who stand in your way because the name of the game is one thing, and that is to win. To win. We've got to win, guys. We've got to win. Got to win. Got to win the game. Got to win the game. We're done. We got to win. It's a, I tell you what happened. It was really cool one time. So there was this team, I think they were, I think they were Catholics. We were playing them, Lehigh Acres, Church of the Nazarene versus the Baptists. Of course we would win that game. Anyway, just like in every good church, there's a church fight that breaks out in the middle of the game church fight. Nothing like a church fight, man. You want to get something going, you get a church fight going. Nothing. Beautiful. Wonderful. Get a church fight going. So it breaks out in the middle of the game and, and we have this fight and boy, man, I mean, we are at it. We are at it. And I was right in the middle of it. 
we go back to the, we say, okay, we've got to separate. So we separate. The ump says, okay, you guys, you guys got to cool off. We'll give you 10 minutes to cool off. So we're all there and we say, hey, listen, we're going to forfeit the game. We're going to what? We're going to forfeit the game. What are we doing that for? Because it doesn't matter. I can't tell you how many trophies I won in church softball. Can't tell you. So we look over at the other team and we say, hey, look at you guys. You win. You know what their response was? You would think they would say, oh, good, we won. By all means, we've got to win. We've got to win. You would think that would be their response, but it wasn't their response. You can't do that. Why not? Because somebody's got to win. Somebody's got You won. You win. We're done. They said you can't do that. Well, we're doing it. We walked off. They sat there just befuddled. Why? Because the world is so into this thing of winning and losing. And, and you got to win. You can't lose. You got to win. You got to win. You got to win. You got to win the game, man. You got to win. But we're not into that. We're into laying down our lives. Right? We're into sacrifice. We're into servanthood. We're not into winning. We're into servanthood. We're into servanthood. That's what we're into. You even... You even look at kids. Kids even do that. They're, they're uncomfortable with no winning. You hear it from children on the playground. That's not right. That's not fair. There's a standard of fairness everyone inherently understands. You got to win. You got to win. I not going to say thank the Lord. You've already went over. But we don't praise Pilate. We don't want to erect a statue in his honor. He was forced into a decision he didn't even want to make. We praise one single person, and that is Jesus. He said this, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. When you go in tomorrow into your workplace and somebody asks you, what did you do yesterday? Oh, I went to church. Oh, I saw it online. That's what I did. I saw it online. I say, why did you waste your time doing that? That's just a bunch of folly. That's just a fairy tale, you know? That's just Star Wars. You don't, well, Star Wars made billions of dollars. 
You don't do that. But we do do that. Because even though it's folly to a world that is lost and it's dying and going to hell, we do do that. We worship the King of kings and Lord of lords because He's worthy to be worshipped. We do do that. So that really boils down to this, you guys. So the question this morning is, it all boils down to this. What will you do with Jesus? What are you going to do? Because you're going to either, He's either going to be Lord of your life or, he's going, or you're going to discard him. One or the other. He's either going to be Lord of your life, or you're going to turn your back and say, I don't believe in him. But I'm begging you, I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, do not play with it, you guys. Please. Please don't. I'll end with this. This is it. I watch a lot of TV. Too much TV. That's what legalists would say. I watch too much TV. I watch too much TV. But there's one show on that I, as I'm, what's it called? As I'm channel surfing, I turn on, and it's this, where they take like an old car, right? And they've restored it. And they've made it new. And it, it's absolutely gorgeous. I looked at those cars when I was six and seven, those ones that they've restored. I look at those cars... I looked at those cars back then and I laughed at them. I said, there, there's an old-timer car right there. And I laughed at it. Now they're getting hundreds of thousands of dollars for those cars that I used to laugh at. They're classics, they call them. Once in a while, one of them will come through there and they say, this car... This car, it has all its original parts and all its original, everything, you see it just as it came off the showroom. They'll, they'll all ooh and ah and think it's beautiful. My life was battered. It was scattered. It was undone. I smashed it upside a tree. I wrecked it. I ruined it.
everything is wrong. You guys, everything is wrong. I was worth nothing. And I felt like I was worth nothing. And I was depressed and I was discouraged and I told everybody I was doing great. Yet on the inside I knew that there was a void in me that was as big as Mount Everest. I was a wreck. People say, well, you never went deep in sin. Oh, come on. I went as far as you could go. And that was separation from Christ. I've ruined it, man. I've ruined it. I wrecked it. Then the master... The Master Jesus came by, plucked me off the back row of a central Nazarene church about 20 rows back, and I was back there to just goof around and play games and do all that kind of stuff, laugh and giggle with my friends. He came back there and walked back there. Must have pulled me up out of a seat because I wouldn't have gone myself. Must have. I walked all 20 rows, gave myself to, gave my life to the Lord. I said, God, I don't know why you'd even want me. And yet he took me. He took me, you guys. He took me. You see, he saw something in that beat-up old car that I didn't see. He saw something in that old jalopy I didn't ever envision. I married my wife, and she did great things for me. She cleaned me up, but not as good as Jesus did. Went to Bible college, went out there, thought, well, I'll do the ultimate thing I can do. I'll serve Jesus by being a preacher. That's the ultimate. But then I found out that that's not the ultimate thing you can do. You know what the ultimate thing you can do is just live for Jesus day after day after day after day. That's the ultimate thing you can do for Jesus. And I can't help, man, I cannot help. but be overwhelmed by his grace. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. I mean just overwhelmed. Just 
what, uh, what's the words of that song? If love is an ocean, no, if grace is an ocean, what is it? We're all sinking. Man, that's me, you guys. I'm so deep in this grace thing that he just brought me out of what I was in. He brought me out. Not anything that I've done, man, it is nothing. Zero, not a zilch, not a... Not one single thing that I've done, but I want to tell you that he brought me out. He did, by his grace. Lifted me up, saw me back there, plucked me up. Said, I'm going to start down a new way. Plucked me down. Said, there's your new way, you walk in it. Said, I don't want to walk in it. I like the old way. Nope, you're going to walk this way. Said, okay. Coming up to Easter, it'd be nice to say that every single person loves Jesus in this place. That'd be great. Be nice to say that every person serves Jesus. Be nice to say that every single person has given their life solely, solely, solely to the will of God. But I really doubt that's true. I'm a cynic. I'm critical. I'd like everybody to stand throughout this place. You've reached a point in your life where he is asking everybody, I want you to bow your heads and just make it a reverent time, just for a minute. You've reached a point in your life whereby you've got to ask the question, you've got to ask this question. What am I going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What am I going to do with Jesus? Right now, what is it, March 21? What am I going to do with him? What are you going to do with Jesus? Roseman, Roseman, come to the piano, could you? Play something in the background, not because we're going to set the emotion of the time. 
but it's going to help us listen to him. Throughout this crowd, I know that there are individuals that would just say, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. When I came into this place, I didn't know. But I know today what I'm going to do. I have set my course. I have determined that I am going to follow Jesus. You would show me that by an upraised hand. Just go ahead. By an upraised hand. Thank you. Beautiful. Beautiful. Jesus, we want to honor you in all things. And I pray for every single person that they would surrender their hearts willingly to you, God. Willingly. all the lights to come on up. All the lights to come on up and guys, Jesus is good to us. He really is. Good to you. Isn't he? Good to you. God bless you, you guys. I appreciate you staying listening to this preacher. Been excited to give this message. Continue to uh, love Jesus with everything that you have. Go his way. It's not always the easiest, but it's the best. Amen. God bless you. And you're dismissed.
Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to the message this week. Uh, maybe it's the second time you've heard it. Maybe you wanted to share it with a friend or just listen to it on a drive into work or whatever while you're cleaning the house. Uh, that's when I listen to most of my podcasts when I'm working around the house. But uh, thanks for joining us. If you want to know more about our church, you can check us out online at gpcchurch.com or .org. Both will take you to the same place. And that will tell you a lot about who we are. But if you want to know even more about us, you can show up on uh, Sunday mornings at 1030 to uh, 1438 Cox Avenue in Erlanger, Kentucky. That's when and where our services will be happening. Uh, Easter's in two Sundays. So if you're looking for a time to start coming back to church or to start for the first time, Easter's a great time for that. So uh, come check us out. Check us out online. If there's anything or any way we can help you out, let us know. But uh, as always, thank you for listening and have a blessed week.